Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. In this show, we catch up with longtime friend of the show, uh, Scott Otten, who you'll probably remember playing hooker for the Ospreys, and we mentioned his coffee company, So Coffee Trades, every week as they've uh, they sponsored us for some time. Now I arranged to catch up with Scott for a chat to see how he's been getting on in uh, in his retirement. Um, turns out it's not been plain sailing for Scott, and he's had some really dark days since hanging up his boots, uh, including breaking down on a few occasions. And uh, thankfully, he was in a good place when I spoke to him. And his honesty and frankness was really noticeable, and it makes you know for a uh, really enlightening listen. So I, I hope you enjoy the uh, enjoy the episode. And a big thank you to Scott for his support of the podcast for the last few years, but most importantly for speaking uh, so frankly to us. And it's uh, it's a timely reminder that whether you're a rugby player, a bricklayer, a banker, mental health issue, issues can affect anyone. So remembering that. There's help out there from brilliant charities like Samaritans, Mind, Rethink, all of those kind of charities if you're struggling. Or, of course, you can speak to your GP or uh, or NHS 111. Um, so with all that in mind, again, just finally, one more big thank you to Scott um, for coming on and talking to us. And uh, hopefully you find the, the show interesting. So uh, here it is. So off they go, steaming forward for the line. What a quality ball that was. And Scott Otten comes up with a second try. Delighted to welcome back to the show. Uh, we haven't had him on for a little while now, but you'll hear his name and his company name on it every single week. Uh, it's still a good friend of the show, Scott Otten. Hi, Scott. How are you doing? I did. Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Uh yeah, it's good to be back. It's been uh, too long. Probably, uh, I'd say it's probably my fault rather than yours. So I do apologise. Uh, but yeah, no, no, it's good to be back. Um, it's uh, it's nice to see how you guys have grown as well over the past, say, what two years? Is it? Well, yeah. I mean, so we're now going into our. Uh, this is our seventh season now. So uh, yeah, well, since yeah. we've been involved with these, yeah, what's that? Uh, oh, four, five, I think. Yeah, 
four or five. Start. Yeah. So it's been uh, no, it's exciting. Uh, it's exciting for you, and it's good for us to follow your journey. So we've now it's uh, now it's great to be back. Yeah, and it's not like you've been uh, you've been sat around twiddling your thumbs in the last couple of years either, is it? Um, I suppose obviously the the biggest news from a from a rugby perspective is you've had to um you've had to hang up your boots. How do you how do you kind of look back on that now? Uh, a year or so on. Yeah, well, it's, you've caught me the right time now, to be honest. Um, so I guess where where are we at? So we're coming up to two, two years post injury in in January. Um, so obviously last year was yeah it was a tough tough all year really. So when the injury kind of happened, we threw, threw ourselves into the business. Um, you know, rebrand, new roasters, new coffees, new product, kind of new vision really. All in the in the, in the all in probably six to seven weeks, I guess. And and I didn't know if I was retiring and. The injury, I sustained the injury in the January and by the end of, well, by April, I was officially retired, really. So I had to stand up and tell the boys and all the coaches and kind of explain what's gone on, which was a, a moment I'll probably never forget. And, you know, by the end of the season, I was no longer a rugby player. So for a couple of months, I had tunnel vision and I was just right, focused on business, 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 business constantly. And then six weeks before Christmas, I had a breakdown and then... I had about three or four kind of breakdowns post that uh, where I was just break down and cry and I didn't really know what was going on. You know, I'd have a few beers on a weekend and a Saturday with friends and family and I just break down and cry. And then I thought, right, stay off the booze for a bit. Spoke to a psychologist in January and three weeks, three weeks went by and I didn't drink. And he said to me, it's like I was speaking to a new bloke. And I said to him, look, it's probably just me drinking and me having anxiety and those type of things really. And, um, so I continue to continue to carry, kind of get back to the gym, eat healthy, and then you know you have events with business, you have stag do's, you have people's birthdays, you know, and all this. And you know, over the last, I'd say, you know, probably about two months ago, I had another three breakdowns over three different events, and they were the worst ones yet, really. So yeah and i kind of didn't understand it so i realized it was uh, well i know what the triggers are now i know what the issues were and ever since kind of that recent one i've you know i don't i've stopped kind of having a, too many beers i guess so like which isn't it's not the beer's fault it's just bringing out kind of moments to me and emotions and you know it, it obviously can does bring out the depressed side of you so you know, there's now and then I have a couple of beers, but and then I'm home controlled and um in a good in a good place really. And you know, I'm trying to lose weight before my dad in November. So, you know, I've already lost you know five kilos in probably six weeks. So uh and that's just because I want to be a healthy dad and a fit dad. So um no where, where we are now is mate is a is, is an extremely good place really. And um yeah, it's been a, it's been a hell of a journey that I'll probably continue to, you know, I'll deal with over you know, however I need to, but I know my triggers now. I know I need to keep training and gymming and staying healthy. And I kind of know what I want to be in life, really. Um, not to go on too much about it, but what the the biggest trigger point for me was, you know, you have a few beers on a Saturday, you lost your job, you know, and then I work for work for So Coffee all on my own. And then, you know, you're meeting people and things, but you're celebrating things kind of on your own, other, you know, other than family and, uh, and my partner, Hannah, but... You know, there's there's obviously that part where you don't celebrate with your team and 
And then I thought, you know, I felt guilty on a Sunday then, only having a couple of beers at times on the Monday, because I'm working with myself now, and I'm the only one I'm letting down. So, yeah, that was tough for me to kind of deal with for a while, but where I am now and is probably the best I've ever been, I'd say. So it's, um, yeah, it was a lot. I took a lot of uh, learnings from all that, you know. That's great to hear, Scott. And, you know, I think um, there's a, there's a number of things you mentioned in there. I mean, obviously, like the kind of the male rugby environment, I, I suppose things are getting better, but historically has not been the best, you know, necessarily the best place to um, to talk about things like this. Obviously, you know, losing losing your your main your main job and being forced to retire. Um, but it's you know, I think it's really important that you know that you're open and, and, and talking about these things. And obviously, you know, you're, you're making you're making really really good progress. Do you feel like? It's a bit, it's a pretty big question, but do you feel like rugby is getting better at, at being able to talk about these, uh, about these kind of these kind of things, mental health issues, and um, and just general mental well-being? Yeah, no, I do think it's a lot better uh, over the last apparently thirty years, really. But ever since you know ten years when and I first joined the Ospreys, and you know, like the you have, I guess, what we did at the Ospreys at one point, and I might have told you this before, but. What we did at one point was on the Monday, we kind of organised to come in earlier so you could discuss with the boys around like what happened on the weekend, whether that was good, bad or what, you know, or both, I guess. And, you know, you may have a Barney with a friend or your missus and then you speak to someone else and, you know, there's a lot of other things going on in your head around selections and rugby and injuries and, you know, and then you've had a Barney on the weekend and then that all, you know, adds up and, you know, you turn up to a rugby day and you want to be the best you can be. You want to be, you kind of, you know, you're the man of your family. You're the, you want to be selected first. You've got to be that hard man in training. And then all of a sudden all this mounts up and then you speak to someone who asks if you're okay. And you realise a lot of the boys are going through the same thing. And then, you know, people start to talk to each other. You know, we've got Tim Jones at the WRPA at the Ospreys and all the other regions have their representatives and they're doing a lot for the kind of welfare and, uh, and mindsets to, of, of the players. And that covers a lot, you know, obviously that is mental health and how boys deal with that. And that is that is kind of improving quite a lot, I see. So boys are becoming more open and honest about it and they're happy to talk about it. Um, you know, I've spoke, to, I've spoke to people around the psychologist side thinking, you know, didn't know much about what they're doing. And three out of the four said, yeah, I've spoke to this person. And it was it blew my mind, and and we you know I didn't know, so you know you, people are doing it. It doesn't have to be something you talk about or shout about, but if you're doing it for yourself, I think it's very important. But I think the culture of rugby now is going to a place where people are starting to be more open, and they're starting to understand that other people are feeling that way. And you know what Lloyd Ashley does, uh, we're living well with Lloyd Ashley. He's going into colleges and schools, and um. He came and hosted one of the Osprey events and just the way he walks the room and finds out about you and people. And and I think uh, he's he's a, he's an absolute amazing advocate and role model for anything to do with mental health and just being an all-round good bloke. Um, because yeah, I mean it's um you know, it's easy, it's easier for me to now talk about it. So you know, I think players are starting to feel like that. And you see a lot more on social media around things mm -hmm. now. You know, you know what rugby can do, whether, you know, it's, it's leading to depression and HIAs and, you know, and not even that then. It's, you know, injuries like myself or other injuries the boys have to kind of finish their career. 
um, which is a scary time. And it's not just rugby either. You know, I don't like to say it's rugby because it's not. It's all sports. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just having those things. In, it's, it, it's tough, mate, because you've got to think of the things to put in place when you're not injured and your career is going well. And then you've got to think, well, uh, just in case I get injured, it's like writing a will. You know, just uh, when I die, I'll write the will. And I'm thinking, you know, that's a tough thing to do, mate. You know, it's tough to put yourself in that position where you go, right, what's the worst case scenario? But how do I turn it into the best? But the more people get to understand that and start to learn that, you know, I think mindsets and mental health will be a lot of good with happen with that, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I don't, you've hit on so many interesting points there. But I, again, another interesting thing that, you know, because when we when we first um, when we first met, obviously, you'd, you'd started the business and you had, you know, you'd essentially prepared for for life after rugby. Do you know what I mean? You had you had this um, and there, there will be a lot of players um, who perhaps aren't in that situation. Um, you know, and you look at what's going on at places like Worcester right now and, and the, the economic difficulties and all those kind of things. Again, is that something that you see is, is kind of changing in rugby? Are clubs working closer with with players to prepare for a life after rugby, you know, whether it's through injury or or, or just, you know, retiring at the age of 40? Is that is that something that clubs and, and players are more aware of now? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel that's the case, mate. And I, I've obviously had that personally, like the way I was looked after uh, when, I, when I finished was I couldn't have asked for anything better. And then how I see how other boys have transitioned out, how even even boys who have kind of maybe signed for the Ospreys at later of the later stages of their career, you know, so they're being looked after now because we don't know if they're going to stay here for the next couple of years or they're going to move on. So it's kind of helping them find their feet here early in their contract so they can enjoy being at the Ospreys. But at the same time, it gives them opportunities to figure out what they're going to do post Ospreys, whether that's, you know, career after you know a second career or if it's moving on you know so it's it's not just rugby to career it's you know moving to us where you move your family and then you move into a different club and you know because it it kind of works really you've got to prep for any situation and all scenarios so what the wrpa are doing is absolutely superb and they're all you know they're helping players in so many different ways whether that be you know in my world a barista course or they're going to go and speak to uh, chartered surveyor or you know insurance company um or even do work with with broadcasting um companies uh to improve on um their interview skills and their communication skills and things like that because that could be a path for them but that also might help their career as well as a rugby player so yeah it's um like those transferable skills, you know, it's not just, oh, yeah. right, you need to go into the media yeah. because if you're good at communication, you might well be good at, you know, uh, uh, presentations and communication and, and those kind of things that will work across a number of industries rather than just, you know, in the broadcast media. Yeah, no, that's right, mate. Like, like, and, it, and still, once that's happened, you've still got to learn, uh, you know, I mean, you've still got to adapt, you've still got to learn, like, Adapting to situations is something our rugby players are good at and or should be good at. And a lot of you know, a lot of appearances when when boys are doing appearances in businesses and I, I you would speak to the them kind of them companies and they think, well, this person would be great for us because he's so open and he's so because that's what we're kind of that's what we grow up with. We've got to be open. We've got to we've got to talk. We've got to treat people with respect. You know, it, it's uh, as 
you know, those are the core values and beliefs that you that you drive to become. You know, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's improving me. It's something that it's being driven to players, and you know, you start. I, hopefully, you know, we start to see more benefits from it. Yeah, and obviously, you you mentioned there as well as the as well as the coffee business, you've. Uh, I suppose you've, you've pulled on the Ospreys shirt and tie rather than the uh, rather than the training kit and uh, working yeah. as commercial manager there. How's that move from from uh, dressing room to boardroom been? <laughs> nice, nice touch. Uh, <laughs> no, pre- mate, it's pre-prepared yeah. that one, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, mate, it's good. You know, it's. Um, I'll be completely honest. You know, as I said, I flew myself into the business. We. The growth of the business was insane um, and it was just something we were so proud of. And I say we, because Hannah, my partner, was a big part of that. Um, and, you know, we we just kept growing and kept pushing. And I, then I went into, before this job, I went into coaching with Swansea University. So I was the defence coach there for nine. So it was nine games to so nine weeks, uh, half the season. And absolutely loved every second of it. You know, I'm, I think that's maybe you know, something that you never know down the fu- in, in the future what I want to, you know, something I want to do, you know, um, with the coaching side. So, you know, that was a real good experience to help me kind of integrate back into rugby. Because um, if you had asked me to work for the Ospreys last year, I would have said no, mm. based on my emotional kind of mental health, to be honest with you. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to cope or I would have hit it for so long and then you never know what, what, what would have happened following that. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, following that, the opportunity came up, mate, and I was in a really good place, and and I was really excited. And first couple of weeks were a bit weird, you know. I didn't really, have, I didn't have a health and uh, no, sorry, not that one. I didn't have a tour of the um, stadium. That's one thing I definitely didn't have <laughs> because um, yeah, I did, obviously I already knew most of it over the last ten years. So, um, so no, it's been good, mate. It's been busy. It's been nice to kind of be on the other side of the business, you know. So as a player, you know, you you kind of I was very interested in the business side, to be honest. And I think that's maybe why I started so coffee and then and then now to be actually fully in the middle of the commercial uh team. Um it's very interesting. You know, it's it's very important that we're building partnerships and renewing partnerships from before and understanding where we might have gone wrong before. Uh, which is really important for understanding how we can capitalize on our relationships and capitalize on how we can grow um, the Ospreys partnerships really. And that's the exciting bit, you know, and, and game day is really good, you know, at level two, which we call the nest, we put live music now on. So local, all our, all our fans can come in and there's local bands and local singers playing and people, you know, you create that rugby club environment, you know, you know, we want to be this global franchise, but, you know, there's parts of hospitality that represent different things. So, um, and you have that in all sports stadiums and venues. Um, so yeah, we're trying to provide ex-players opportunities to um, to compare. So they come in and do Q and A's with our current players. We do insight talks with our community and operations and our brand team and our uh, and our players. Um, so they can you know have a dabble of being the the host. Um, and then alongside you know we do comp- run competitions and. And as I said, a local entertainment with with the other lounges and people are starting to buy in now to what the Ospreys are about. And it's that family, it's that partnership. It's, you know, it's the rugby is important and everyone's happy where we win. But, you know, it's not just the rugby you're buying into, you're buying into the culture. And I I feel like that's something that, 
you know, we've started to kind of grow and started to prove to people really. Um, because, you know, we talk about Welsh rugby, but in my opinion, it's like, mate, well, let's forget, let's forget about that for a minute. Let's stop being so negative, which I, I understand. Um, and I, and I, you understand it because you constantly talk about this week in, week out. So for me, mate, it's like, well, let's look after the clubs we're a part of and let's look after even local clubs, mate, and great and age grade rugby and the, the women's, the juniors and, you know, the women's game, the football's flying and, and what the Six Nations girls are doing uh, is, is so important. And you see so many more um, diverse and inclusive kind of camps going on and festivals and these type of things. And, you know, I think it's amazing for the sport. And, you know, if we can start opening more doors for all genders, all abilities, then, you know, why shouldn't we grow? Why shouldn't we grow as quick as other sports? And, you know, you can see that already, mate. Like, you can. There's a lot of negativity around some some rugby, but, you know, I, I try to be as optimistic as I can. And we've actually got to start pulling together rather than ripping each other apart, to be honest. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, that's the thing is I'm kind of afforded the luxury of, of sitting here and being able to whinge about it, right? Because ultimately, you know, although we do this every week, we kind of look at it from a from a fan's point of view. But... Yeah. As you say, you're you know you're in you're in the thick of it. You've got to make you've got to make these things work. You know you yeah. as Scott and and you as a and you as a, the Ospreys as a club as well. And and you're right. You you know you have point because you know we like you say we you know we moan about various different things with the men's game, but the men's game is one part of rugby. And like you say, there are so many very exciting things happening, particularly particularly the women's game, but the disability game, and and all of those you know age grade rugby and all those kind of things that perhaps don't necessarily get the coverage, but that will in the future, they're the exciting bits and and the things that you, you know, you've, you've got an opportunity to grow as well. No, no, that's right, mate. And, you know, I think people are starting to change their mindsets on it though. I really do. Uh, and you can probably see that more than what, what I do really, but it, people are starting to change their mindsets and how each part of the, I guess, branch of the game is, is kind of, growing and developing and you know that's so important mate like rugby is an inclusive sport it's a sport that we can it's follow it's a it's a sport filled with respect you are it's a sport when you want to you want to rip each other apart and have a pint after what other sport does that you know it's it's a crazy it's a crazy sport but what it can create like what it can do for individuals around anxiety well-being mental health your physical capabilities your um, your next career goals, your communication skills, your leadership skills. It, it's, it's humongous, mate. And what you learn along the way, like the, the bloke I was 10 years ago to now is a completely different person. You know, I had tunnel vision. I was probably hard work. I didn't seem like I listened because I had this tunnel vision. I wanted to be the best, but then I wasn't being realistic. I wasn't understanding other people. I wasn't trying to learn. And from where I am now, I'm the most open book you'll, you know, you'll come across. And I'll be very honest and wear my heart on my sleeve in any situation I can. Um, but that that's all from rugby, mate. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's what's taught me. And that's players, co- different coaches, people I spoke to, yourself. You know, it's all all these people that have taught me that. Um, and, you know, the, when you when you speak to loyal fans, even now, mate, it humbles you completely. You know, I'm being talked to as a rugby player at times, not the regional commercial manager for us, but he's done you know, these fans are talking to me as a rugby, ex-rugby player and it completely humbles me every time and I'm extremely grateful because it took me a while to realise what what I actually did in rugby. You know, what, what did I do? You know, and then, you know, someone someone had a go at me once and said, look, you've, you've played 110 games for the Ospreys and 
and we didn't even talk about Welsh caps because that's one thing I've never regret. You know, I've always I would have loved to have one, but you know, it's someone else's choice, and there's other good players out there, and you know, it's kind of a it's it's an opportunity and an absolute honour to represent your country. But I've never thought, oh my god, I wish you know, I wish I had one. You know, a part of my goal was to get two hundred caps with the Ospreys. Mm. You know, so you know, I was only ninety off, but. So it went too far. Um, Tell you what, but... Scott, if you if you add up if you add up the Ospreys caps and the number of chip and chases that you did in the course of a season, <laughs> you get to that two hundred, no problem. Yeah, well, I never converted any of those, so <laughs> uh, no, is it, there was there was quite a few the year before I finished. I think I kicked six or seven times in the season, <laughs> and with two on my back, that's not really. Uh, yeah, so no, that was a good that was a bad season for the Ospreys, um, but. It was an interesting one for me, I guess. But no, um, no, I mean, we can talk about this for hours, you know. And it's not, you know, it's not just, it's not just the mental health side in regards to, oh, you need to speak to someone, you need to do this, you need that, because it's actually like, well, if you've got mental health issues or problems or you're struggling, and I hate the word issues and problems, yeah. but it's like if you're struggling with it. Let's talk about it. It's not all right. We'll put you in a one-on-one in dark room and talk about it. It's like no. Let's just let's go for a walk. Let's have a coffee. Let's just go and chat. Let's just be open and honest and and quite forward with it, you know. And like I've learned, me, I didn't speak to Hannah about my mental health issues for ages, and I broke down in the kitchen. It was horrific, you know. And you know, there's times that I would cry and I would smile it off, you know, trying to smile the pain away. I guess if you want to say that, but. And it scared Hannah the bits. And then that's why I decided, right, okay, I'm going to sort myself out. And, you know, ever since, you know, I've been absolutely great. Um, but-, but it's that, it's that stigma, isn't it? That, you know, again, I think particularly as men, you, you know, you kind of, and then, you know, you throw into the fact if you're in a, you've grown up in a, in a rugby environment as well. I think that there is that stigma perhaps more so. And if it was any other aspect of health, you wouldn't think twice about it. If you went, you know, do you know what? My, uh, you know, I've, I've got this bloody cold. I can't shift it, or I've got this cough. I can't, you know, don't know what's wrong with it. But I'm going to go and see the doctor and and see. It makes it. No one would bat an eyelid. And why would that be any different, you know, for mental, yeah. for mental health? Because yeah. you've got, you know, you've got um, a number of different reasons why it could happen. You know, it can happen to, it can happen to, uh, you know, the, the average bloke on the street. It could happen to an elite athlete. It could happen to a a king you know it, there's there's no reason why it can't hit anyone but i you know as i say I, th- I think it's encouraging that the sport is moving on and hopefully you know society is is in that is in that same mold where you can talk about it more openly and everyone you know is uh, uh we had phil Steele on here a, a few years ago and phil's been very open about you know about kind of what what he's been through um and again he you know he, he talked about it in the you know being in the newport dressing room in the in the early 80s and, you know, he looked around him and thought, God, there's no one here I could say I've been having suicidal thoughts to. And his exact words were, he said, you know, they'd have said, Steely, what size boots are you? I'll have your boots if you top yourself. And that was the environment, at, you know, at that yeah. stage. And there would have been yeah, other yeah. guys in there who were struggling as well. And that's the thing. But, you know, you hope that as a as a society that we've moved a long, long way away from that. Yeah, no, we have, mate. We have. There's no shadow of a doubt. You know, we keep, you know, as humans, maybe we've got a bad habit to go in. Yeah, that's good. But this was it was like this before. You're like, forget about it. You know, we're moving learn from it and always have that kind of there, you know, because we've got to know where we've come from all the time. I think that's important in life. But but at the same time, it's like we're moving forward. So this parts of the past, you've got to learn to forget. And um, we're moving forward. And that's come from me. You know, like you know, I used to hold on to everything when I was a kid. 
I, my anxiety was terrible. And then, you know, part of that crept up then, but no, I mean, you know, it's, we could talk about mental health and, uh, and well-being so much. And, but I think it's, it's about time we keep pushing the positive side of it and where, where people are starting to help themselves is starting to be open. There's people like Lloyd Ashley putting himself out there to help people and put everyone else before himself. And, and there's, there's, you know, Lloyd's obviously a good mate of mine, but there's so many other people doing that now, you know, and, you know, even look at HR departments and things like that and what, how they're seeing it now, you know, because obviously this is my, my new world now and I see things and what the HR departments are doing for people and they see it, they see it, you know, differently again, because there's a different approach this time, you know, so it's, um, it's not just take time off and see how you feel. It's, you know, this actually get to the bottom and find out what you need. And, and I think the biggest thing mate, that I've understood like that, that, has kind of sat for me is if you are ever struggling, you know, the most important thing is either yourself or with a family or with a friend or with a professional is get to the core of what you feel like you're struggling with. Because once you've done that, I, in my opinion and in my experiences, it's so much easier to start understanding and starting to kind of um, uh, live with it and deal with it moving forward. You know, it's, it's those parts where you think, you know what it is. My issue was I didn't know what it was, but I knew there was something. And I used to be like, you know, it used to be hard then to understand that, you know. Yeah, as I say, it's 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 really really important, and uh, you know, I I just got to say thanks for being that honest with you know with with us and um and as open as that because I'm sure there'll be people listening who, um you know who again will will um will have taken on board what you've said and um and and as you say it's just such an important um such an important part of uh, of of life really is is you know looking after your, your mental health and um, i'll just finish then scott with a with a with a bit of rugby chat obviously you've been you've been watching from the uh the prawn sandwich uh seats these days you know and you're in the in, in the, the the best seat in the house um but uh how what have you made of the ospreys uh starts the season kind of what's the what's the what's the feeling around the club at the moment feeling's really good no feeling's good mate you gotta think like last two years boothy has uh introduced a lot of the young boys so you know, Ed, the Boothy came in the year I retired, but what he's kind of done for the youngsters, giving them opportunities to play, you know, whereas we used to have the young boys kind of maybe fill in when there's an injury or start, or then all of a sudden they start and then they've had three games under their belt. A lot of our younger players have now got 20, 25 players, at, uh, 20, 25 games under their belt, you know? So it's, you know, the strength and depth of the Ospreys is it's really exciting, you know. We talk about the Lions boys and the Welsh boys who are all superb rugby players, but then you you look at the core group of boys at the Ospreys. It's there's there's a huge amount of them, and they're really a part of their strength and depth. But there's so many youngsters now knocking on the door and knocking on the door that they could eventually start in the next six months, you know. And to have that in a rugby club is really important. Now the important part is, is how all that gels together. You know, when you got the same 15 week in, week in, week out, that gels together. But when that's changing because the players are good enough, there's then 1%, 2% differences in that player's game that people need to kind of gel with. So, you know, the first game, mate, we, uh, you know, we should have won it. Should have won it. And, and, you know, fair play to the Scarlets and all that. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm talking home games here, but, yeah. you know. What what kind of we, the way we went out was superb. We looked so so strong, so put together. And then you know, as rugby happens, a few things happen, and the scoreboard 
doesn't work in our favor. And then Jackie Wells kicked that kick and what a kick it was, you know? So, um, and then the Lions game, the boys are a bit beat up and a bit down about that because it was, it was an opportunity we could have taken, you know? So, um, you know, that, that was a really tough one to take uh, for everyone involved, I guess. And, you know, m- more more than anyone, it would have been the players um, and then the kind of rugby staff, you know? So, you know, I'm an outsider now in regards to the playing group, you know? So, uh, the good mates of mine, but I understand how they felt and, there's, you know, you can you can be hurting as a spectator, but when you're on that field, there's nothing worse. You feel like the world's against you. So, you know, I really felt for the boys and and kind of the environment. And and then Glasgow, that was just an unbelievable performance. And you know, I thoroughly and watched, uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching it, mate. And some of the players that kind of stepped up, like Keelan Giles, he'll step you in a form box, won't he? <laughs> he's unbelievable at the moment. You know, I think he's. He's a uh, top or top or top two line breaks, and it's, it's um, so easy to forget how young he is as well, isn't it? Cause yeah, he's been, he's been playing since the age of eighteen. You know, playing first team rugby since the age of eighteen. Yeah, I coached Ian Keelan when I was eighteen years old. Yeah, I was eighteen years old, and he was a fifteen-year-old boy who was who was this skinny, skinny little boy who was extremely fast. And when I refereed him, I couldn't keep up with him. But other than that, and then. All of a sudden, you know, he has. He, I remember the Benetton game was one of it. I don't. I wouldn't say it was his first game, but it was one of his first. And he had a, he made that sixty meter try, and broke about six of their boys. He spun, hand, handed it off, and stepped seven, seven guys. And and you think this this kid is good. And the thing is, Rakila, mate, he's not a selfish player at all. Mm. You know, he's is the brain on him is superb in regards to his rugby brain, and he's very clever. He's quite intelligent bloke, and you know, he's. Uh, even though he could he could get round you if the easier options are passing on the inside, he'll do that, you know, because you know his job is to finish, but he also wants the the office to make sure the try's been scored. So um, no, he's he's a, and he's a real good kid. You can tell I like him. Um, <laughs> but no, mate, uh, yeah, what he's done the last two weeks has been superb, and you know, but that that all comes five six phases before, and you know what the halfbacks are organising, what everyone else is doing. You know the complement between the twelve, thirteen, and the forwards, and all the work the forwards are putting in to make sure their set pieces on point, and you know their 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 front their positive carries, and you know people look at tries, and I'm not taking away from Keelan because his first try he scored. Well, both of them were just superb individual work, but you know the the tries and what happens in defence. What 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 happens with a a try scored in the corner and what happens with a line break in defence all comes four or five phases before. You know, it's not what happens in that. People look at that situation, but if you start reading the game four or five phases before, and I only learned a lot of, I knew this as a player, but it's hard to see. Um, but when I started coaching, that's how I coached it. You know, it's the four or five phases before gives you this outcome. And you start to see it, you know, and and I think, you know, the, the team at the moment, they're really gelling and really coming together. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the season, mate. Looking forward to it, which I didn't think I'd say last year. Good stuff, Scott, mate. It's so good to hear you're um you're in a good place and you know you've got this uh these these exciting dual careers ahead of you as well. Um and yeah, just a, a big thank you for speaking so uh, so openly and uh, and honest to us. So yeah, good luck for the rest of the season and uh, hopefully it's not going to be another few years till uh, till we get you back on again. And uh, yeah, good luck with yeah. the uh, <laughs> uh, good luck good luck with the little one on the way as well. Yeah, thank you, mate. Appreciate that. No, no, it's going to be uh, exciting. We put on the house together now, and in six weeks' time, we'll be upside down again. So. <laughs>
we'll uh yeah i'll make sure we send some coffee up to you as well make sure yeah i was gonna say i'm just sat here drinking cups of tea scott parched for a cup of coffee i am um and yeah, you're gonna yeah and you're gonna need you're gonna need plenty of it as well when the uh when the sleepless nights come in as well you need uh you need extra uh extra coffee supplies in the morning but uh yeah scott it's been it's been no. an absolute pleasure thanks mate take care of yourself cheers Podcast Network.